There's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party and Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's the day treating you? The day is treating me great. And I think for the first time ever, it is very painful to be speaking to you from the past. <laughs> we now know the patch notes. Yes. And we'd love to be talking about it. I would love to be just speaking endlessly on all the details mm-hmm. changing. We're just going to have to wait a few more days to hear about those. Um, but we have an interesting topic today. Yeah. Today we're going to be speculating as to the future of competitive Apex. Before we do any of that, though, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Follow us on Twitch. We stream Thursdays and Saturdays, Apex Legends. Come on by and hang out. First of all, we have to give a big thank you uh, to our patrons. Um, we're nearing 100 total patrons. And need to just give a special thank you as a benefit uh, to our Jump Masters and above on Patreon. First, the Jump Masters. Big thank you to Alex, Pineapple, Brian, Coco, G, Gen XD, Isaiah, Justin, King Arts, Mike, Achmane, Savich, Sweet, and King K. And then for the Masters, huge shout out to Atlas Forged, Otto, Bo, Kyle, Jake. Jeffrey, Just Quill, Lee, Paul, and Spicy the Chef. And last, but certainly not least, the current Predators are Topaz Wombat, nearing a year at 10 months of support, Corey and King Crail. Thank you so much, everyone. The Patreon community is awesome. Really appreciate all your support. Absolutely wild stuff over there on Patreon. Uh, And to add to the wild stuff... We got some news for you on a big future content update for the third party pod. I just sat up in my chair because this is serious and got to be in news. prime hunched over neck cranked out gaming position to kind of share this. Uh, as you all know, we have produced two episodes per week for the entirety of season eight for the first time. Uh, we've also both picked up two full time jobs and are finishing up the last year of college. We have been busy. Busy, busy, busy to say the least. And on top of those public episodes twice a week, we had Patreon episodes going out as well. And ramping up the stream. And ramping up the stream. So now we're streaming for four hours a week at least. Because that's kind. It's we got like a 30, 45 minute before session and then after. That's right. But essentially our announcement is we're going to be reverting back to our single once a week, high quality, likely a pretty dang long episode uh, once per week. But there's a really good caveat that Henry's going to get to explain now. I'm the bad guy. (laughs) We are changing around our Patreon benefits to be four bonus episodes per month instead of two bonus episodes for third parties and above. So each month, uh, we've been producing extra episodes exclusively for patrons, as well as a discussion episode where we pose a topic to our Patreon community via our private Discord channel to share their thoughts that we address on the podcast. Really, really cool. We love our patrons and greatly appreciate the incredible support. If you love what we do and have the means to, if you want to buy us a slice of pizza or maybe a whole pizza a month, we would be incredibly appreciative and promise that you'll get a ton of value from our Patreon. No doubt about it. The Patreon is absolutely killer right now. The community over there is fantastic. 
And if you want these twice a week shows, if you're really hooked on them, uh, you should check out the Patreon. It's going to be a pretty good entry fee now. Like Henry said, just buy us a slice of pizza once a month and you're going to get so much extra third-party content. I guarantee you won't be able to listen to all of it, essentially. It's going to be a lot. There's quite a library already. And mm-hmm. if you look at other like podcasts and other content creators, their Patreon, we we go over we go over and above. Like yeah. it, we give out a lot and Patreon's kind of mad at us all the time because yeah. we give out too many benefits. But we gotta do it. Yeah. So if you have any questions, just hit us up on, you know, Discord, Instagram, anywhere our socials will answer all your questions. Uh, we think this is gonna be a net positive. For really everyone listening to the show and for Henry and I going into uh, getting some serious hours with the jobs and uh, keeping everybody sane. But with that, though, thank you all so much. Let's dive into kind of the main topic of the day, talking about the future of competitive Apex Legends. And honestly, why did this conversation get spurned? I, do you want to give away the answer or do we want to sure. just like save it for the end? I was thinking about saving it, but let's just say, I mean... Why are we talking about competitive Apex right now? The reason is arenas could change the whole game. And before we dive into kind of our speculation as to what that means and why, first, the background on competitive professional Apex Legends starts with the ALGS. Now, for the entire Global Series tournament, there has been a $1 million prize pool. And that's very interesting, very exciting. Um, but to kind of look at the history a little bit here, um, most recently, the conclusion of the winter circuit um, was huge. There was a huge peak in all-time viewership. Um, the viewership on Twitch doubled uh, in the winter circuit compared to the entire previous last year. Um, so it was a major record high. This is likely due to the free Mirage Tracker and Banner uh, that were given for free as drops to viewers. Um, But just to mention recently, the ALGS Competitive Apex has been getting a lot of hype and a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, it's been a fantastic pro scene uh, for BR, honestly, because BRs are by no means the easiest game to watch for competitive. It's it's a tough game to make everybody happy and feel like that and even chance. Apex has been doing it great for a while now. The ALGS has been popping off, though, lately, as you mentioned, and it's just going to be so exciting. Uh, we have the finals coming up. They're currently scheduled to begin on June 1st. Uh, we got some fun stuff kind of on the books, potentially. We're trying to get like the inside scoop, uh, interview a pro, a caster, uh, just to gain some kind of firsthand account on what it's going to be like to compete at the highest level of Apex Legends. We've had some people in the audience ask for this, uh, and we've been working for a long time to try and uh, get something ready for you guys that you you really do deserve. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely trying to to break into that space and get a really nice interview um, or two, but certainly stay tuned for more information on how the pro game is different and what makes the greatest professional Apex teams and players. Let's talk about, though, kind of some of the problems that pro Apex faces. And, you know, there is a reason for the limitation. And it kind of comes down to a key core element, and that is that's a battle royale. Battle royales are not so much built for competitive play in comparison to tactical shooter, Valorant, CSGO, Team Deathmatch, COD, that kind of stuff that's just been kind of dominating esports 
for a very long time. Kind of dive into why that might be, though. The struggle with battle royales is that there's randomized loot, and that makes having a fair competition an obstacle. There's also semi-random positioning. And what I mean by semi-random is that some teams get more advantageous positioning right off the drop than others. And that can be um, really tilting the tables in terms of uh, who has that quote-unquote random advantage based off of the ring. And that brings me to the last kind of point and the competition standpoint of they're unpredictable games. You can't really prepare for that final shrink when you have a G7 and an L-star on top of trials. Mm -hmm. That's not a situation that you can train for, unlike other games like FIFA or COD, where like in COD you can learn the map, you know Mm -hmm. the angles, you can run plays. Very difficult to organize plays and really have uh, different things that you're practicing. There's a reason that legends don't normally crack into pro meta. You know, these players spent months mastering and grinding these legends in every specific situation that they can create uh, in ranked and skirms and stuff. And so that's why it takes so long for, you know, someone like Rev or Crypto to break into the meta when they may have gotten buffed two and a half seasons ago because it takes that long to master a new legend to the point where someone's comfortable enough uh, breaking them into comp. Horizon, one of the most prolific legends in the game to enter ranked, barely touched pro play still. And so it's really interesting to kind of see how hard it is to be good at competitive Apex. Uh, And it doesn't even really play into the whole BR of these legends, particularly that make up the core of the game. Absolutely. And speaking off that idea of the specific current legend meta and balancing that takes place doesn't reach the pro in a in a reasonable time frame mm-hmm. perhaps means that as a viewer you're not watching the same game that you're oh, playing yeah. mm-hmm. and that goes beyond just the legends that are played but also potentially the maps or how they're actually playing and that they're not going contested they are dropping individually um it's much different you'll see 16 squads in a final rank you know that's not my experience that's no one's experience Mm -hmm. you can't get that in predator lobbies so it's a very different game to watch and i think that is an obstacle that they have to try to overcome Mm -hmm. every single tournament and how can we get people to watch a game that's already long form Mm -hmm. there is still looting but how do we get them to watch it when they are not really seeing themselves in this game as much as in other esports, you yeah. can. And if you're listening and you're like, hey, I love the ALGS. I love watching Pro Apex. Like, we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. And we watch it. We enjoy we it. Love it. We love it. Like, it's a great time. It's just not incredibly relatable to the beginner and casual player like some other games are essentially in esports realm. So love the ALGS for what it is. You should. Give it a try if you haven't. It's fantastic. There's going to be this issue though with making it relatable to everyone yeah and just like a a fact of octane and lifeline are some of the most popular legends in the game Mm -hmm. but have never even itched their way into an algs so it's very hard to to have the same emotional attachment that we have to legends replicated and reflected in the pro scene yeah but back to the competition 
for all these reasons of randomness and positioning and unpredictability, it is hard for pros um, to have a fun, fresh, challenging game to overcome. And that both Shay and I, we love these kind of random elements that make the game challenging, keep it fresh. But when you're stacking one's income Mm -hmm. on the outcome of Apex and a BR, makes it very difficult um, for those that do put their income on the line, but also frustrating for everyone involved. And to keep everything fully honest, Henry and I, this is hilarious, this whole conversation that we've had stemmed from, I don't know how long are we at the park shooting hoops talking about the Apex Pro scene, man. Long time. It was a long time. Uh, But Apex, as a newer game and a newer pro scene, was hit very hard by the pandemic and when Apex was forced to go online. The prize pools were just slashed in a pretty drastic manner uh, for the first time. And, you know, for the example, TSM won the Apex Legends preseason invitational located in Poland and took home over $100,000 as a team. But their next first place finish in the Apex-sponsored ALGS tournament, you know, online, earned the team $21,600 total. Um, makes it very hard to, like you're saying, put that money on the line and bank your income off of it. And that's what that's what a healthy pro scene needs is pros, essentially. It might seem dramatic to say this and definitely take it with a grain of salt, but just imagine if your paycheck got cut by more than a fifth yeah. one month to the next. Mm-hmm. That's drastic. Whether or not you want to make the argument that, oh, if you're a pro player, you don't necessarily deserve all this money. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that again in a minute. <laughs> but this is a drastic shift in the prize pool based off of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a huge obstacle. Um, now, this is the maximum that you can earn. These are first place finishes. Yeah. And we're also talking about a battle royale. Mm-hmm. You cannot guarantee yourself uh, getting that first place or even a podium. Um, but if you are a pro Apex player and you consistently earn your way to a podium and have to split those earnings three ways, you could be making less than $2,000 per tournament, which happens once per season. Yes, it's not a great hourly. That's not a very good hourly. You know, you're spending hours and hours vigorously competing, overcoming huge, uh, you know, odds in a battle royale, um, and you're not really being rewarded. Some pros have said, you know, they feel like they're making less than minimum wage and, and they're working hard. Not all pros are content creators. And yeah. even the pros that are content creators, uh, they are not going to stream or make YouTube videos to entertain you so much. They are doing it as, hey, I'm really dang good at the game. And hey, there's exceptions. Some of these guys are incredibly talented. I don't want anyone to come at me now. Like they're validly, there's a lot of people out there. I would say there's also a lot of people though that are on the flip side of that coin that uh, are not making a sizable income from Twitch. Apex just for a while now hasn't been sustaining pro players as full-time pros yeah and it's an issue i mean we're only talking about compensation because it's another ingredient as to the future Mm -hmm. of uh, the pro scene um and it it just is kind of tough because do these pros deserve the money well when we look at the viewership 
yes, these events bring in a lot of eyes. Those eyes are valuable. Um, but with the events going online, there was a major loss in sponsorship mm-hmm. and different advertising. And so that's why there was a cut. It wasn't necessarily uh, an evil corporation yes. just mm-hmm. cutting everybody's uh, prize pools. This was kind of a cause and effect thing that has really hurt the pro scene in the long term now at over a year. Yeah. And it's important to note that the team signed to organizations, you know, like TSM, they also pay a percentage of their prize pools to the org. So that hurts also in yeah. this whole grand scheme of you no know, wage and money. And we don't need to just harp on it and dive too far into it. We're just telling you what we know, guys. That's all. It's the financial reasons of the issues with Apex Competitive are not just, you know, crying and people getting upset. Mm-hmm. This has led to people leaving the game mm-hmm. and moving to greener pastures, such as the promising Valorant Pro Scene, or back to more proven franchises like COD, CSGO, Rainbow Six Siege. Mm-hmm. Um, it has caused those shifts. Yes. And so it's unfortunate to see, um, but that's the, uh, that's the reason that we've seen a shift. Well, let's talk about what might change Apex forever. Potentially. We're just throwing ideas out there. But you did hear it here first. Yeah. You heard it here first. I mean, I don't know. A lot of people are excited about this. Um, but arenas, this could change the competitive scene. And let me put it in perspective. I'm going to give a great example that uh, I apologize to the YouTuber that said it because I don't remember who it was. But he put it as right now in a BR, you have no idea who the best players are and who the better team is. Put NRG versus TSM in an arena, you're going to know who's better. Straight up. And that right there, ignore everything else, but that basic who's better than who brings so much entertainment and audience that's just e-sports. to the game. That's esports. That's esports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're looking for. That's what everybody wants. Um, with arenas, there's no advantageous team drops. Um, in the ALGS, teams call their POIs before they even drop uh, mm-hmm. so that all teams aren't contesting mm-hmm. uh, early and playing those 50-50s of, oh, I got the gun, so I won yep. thousands of dollars. Nobody likes that. Mm-hmm. So they call their POIs. You're not going to have that. And that has major, major issues. If you're a team that has a dibs on a central POI, you have a huge advantage mm-hmm. to getting yourself to the final rank. It is not even funny in my mind, it's how much of an advantage crazy. just saying, oh, I'm going West Fragment. Okay, like who cares about the loot rarity? The positioning alone gives you such an easier opportunity to mm-hmm. win actual money as if you were to go on the outside. Additionally, you're not going to have RNG for weapons in arenas. So you're going to be able to pick your weapons, buy your weapons. It's going to be fair. You're going to be on the even playing mm-hmm. field, same access to weapons. It's also going to be no third parties. Name of the pod? Yep. It's gone. Dead. Hey, and by all means, it's everything in the BR. Yeah. There ain't a third team in arenas unless yeah. you're Zeus. True. <laughs> and you're unlucky like Zeus. Um, we'd love to have, you know, third parties uh, in all games. And maybe third parties is more of a... A the lifestyle. A lifestyle. <laughs> so... Maybe keep that in mind as you play in arenas, but you won't have that, which has been a really frustrating element of competitive. If you're having your fight trying to prove who's best, then mm-hmm. oh, you get revolted third party. Yeah. That's really unfortunate. Not going to happen. 
It's also not going to be any frustrating end rings with 16 squads. Yeah. Why is that frustrating? Well, it's pretty much like, does everybody throw themselves at each other with nades and ultimates and chaos? There's no skill there. It's actually irritating for me to watch. It's like, hard to play, but yes, like you said, more importantly, it's hard to watch. Nobody knows what's, what's going, going on. on. The announcers don't even know what's going on. For They just recently added the who is the champion at yeah. the top. And for the first time, we actually knew who won the game. And before that, we were waiting five minutes for the stats to load in. Yeah, because nobody had a clue. Everyone just exploded and died. Yes. And it was horrible. Um, but on top of just more um, match clarity and fairness of trying to eliminate that chaos, mm-hmm. um, it also means less of a reliance on abilities to cut through that chaos. Therefore, you're going to have less overall frustration with Gibraltar, Caustic, Rev, Crypto Ults, Mm -hmm. because they're not necessarily going to define games as often and be as muddying. Hey, hard to hear first. Bold take. Mirage is going to crack Arena's meta. Mirage is strong. Mm -hmm. And we'll be talking a little bit about the legend balancing here on Wednesday. But... Daniel Klein said Mirage is extremely powerful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I love to see it. And the bamboozles don't mess around. It can yeah. be really, really powerful when using the right hands. But to get back to the arenas, like the, all those negatives you listed, that is the reason that CSGO and Valorant, these tactical shooters, dominate pro scenes. They don't have those issues and instead allow for skill to shine a clear combat, multiple camera angles as well because everything's going to be set in a smaller area. There is so much entertainment that comes out of that tactical shooter in the esports scene uh, that really might prime arenas to just be so positive for Apex's pro scene. It really will. And overall, the positives that are added on from arenas are you're going to have faster matches, which makes it more fun to watch. You're not going to be watching 20-minute games that go on and on Mm -hmm. and on. Um, It's going to be fast. Um, there's going to be no more excuses. You know, you're not going to have the third party excuse. You're not going to have it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have the crazy ring end excuse. Um, and then it's also just going to be a head to head fight. Who's better? Like we were talking about, um, which is really important from a competition esport perspective. It's just interesting because you hear all the negatives about the BR and it's just gone with this mode instead. It's going to be fascinating to see if um, maybe there's some successful BR players that don't carry that over to arenas. And if we get a different kind of crew of yeah. arena comp, like if there's going there to be could a. be the se- old guard and the new guard here. It's going to be fascinating. Is there a second TSM team for arenas, particularly? Because we're talking a new game, guys. This yeah. is, I don't think pros are going to be able to do both. I really don't. I think if you're going to... can, it will be an incredible feat. Pe- pros don't play Warzone and CDL right now in COD. And that's kind of the closest thing I can relate to this. And so you're talking about, if that's the case, adding a whole new collection of pro teams and pro scenes. I don't know, man. There just seems like there's so much potential for this to just do such wonders for the competitive Apex. It's crazy. I mean, we're still at a point where we don't know all the answers as mm-hmm. to how arenas may actually function. But if you think about, say, here at Wraith Main, that 
Wraith play is going to be a lot different than arenas where it's a straight up 3v3. Mm-hmm. You, the tactical might be completely worthless, but perhaps even if you are able to get some value out of it, you're going to have to buy it every single time. And that's going to take away from other important abilities. So mm-hmm. how will the team comp change? How will someone who has played professional Apex for two years as a Wraith main transition into Arena's Wraith? Will it be seamless? Will it be very different? It's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, 100% it's going to be interesting. Additionally, I really look to Arena's with a lot of hope because of the fair mechanics um, in the weapon rebuy system each round. I think that Mm -hmm. that's just a beautiful thing to go in and say, all right, we won the last round. We don't necessarily have the ability to just run up the score because I have a fully kitted Spitfire every single game. You're Mm going to have to make tactical decisions based off of that every single round. And I think that makes it really fun to watch, um, which I think is just a really nice element to include. It, It keeps you from snowballing leads and such, which is just really good for healthy comp. And yeah, just not having the, oh, I lost because he had a purple mag and I didn't. That's just not going to be there. If you yeah. missed your shots with the R9, sorry, you aren't a predator. Ouch. Ouch. I'm not going to be a predator truth. either, though. <laughs> um, I think that another really frustrating thing with competitive Apex is the frustration around maps. Yes. Um, people always complaining about specific maps, praising other maps, um, potentially blaming losses on mm-hmm. maps. If, mm-hmm. oh, this was on a different map, it would have changed. I have a lot of uh, reservations regarding (laughs) how important maps are in terms of the congestion of rotations and the high ground opportunities and things like that and actually dictating games um, because people can't adapt. Um, But with arenas, they're much smaller. So you have less uh, reliance on, oh, we we didn't rotate here. We got pinched there. It's not a PR. It's not going to happen. In arenas, there's just plenty of maps to rotate through during a tournament to keep it fresh to watch but also keep it engaging and competitive Mm -hmm. uh, on the pro side and to play into that a little bit more there's a lot of functionality that could be added into the pro comp scene in this that would be looked at as a lot more normal in comparison to the br and what i'm talking about is you know map bans as one thing you know it's pretty normal for there to be Uh, occasionally a map or two that is just not really suited for competitive. There's a slight unfair balance in it. It's still a really fun pub match, but sometimes in comp you'll have maps in Valorant and CS and such get banned. And that is something that can be done because it's such a norm and alleviate so much of that negativity potentially in the community. And then the opportunity that Apex has with Legends as well, potentially. I've been playing a lot of League of Legends lately. Uh, where the other team gets to, you know, ban legends at the start of the game. But if someone gets too powerful, maybe it's a lot easier to say, hey, let's let's do like a comp ban on Rev in arenas. That's not going to be as big of a deal, I think, or as just like huge of a structure, just because abilities won't matter as much as it would in the BR and how it would shift things in that way. Yeah, it, it seems like such an interesting topic to raise in terms of taking the legends out of Apex Legends. Yeah. It just seems massive um, to a lot of people, but it definitely has some pred- uh, it has some history mm-hmm. as a game. 
mechanic in competitive. Um, but it just, to me, it seems like, where do you stop? Mm-hmm. You know, if you say Revenant's really frustrating, okay. Lifeline was frustrating. Does she get banned? If every single team has a Gibraltar, should Gibraltar get banned? Mm-hmm. Like, or do we just want a core three where, all right, this is a 3v3. You can have a Gibby, you can have a Wraith and a Pathfinder. <laughs> That's it. And it really is a head-to-head, mm-hmm. less reliance on diverse abilities, potentially less interesting to watch. We'll see a meta shake out. Yeah. But the bands idea could be interesting and could impact the future of Apex in general. Yeah. It's going to be interesting just to see how this competitive scene unfolds. There's, there's no, like, in a lot of these games, there's bands from a game perspective, but there's also bands from a player perspective as well that is kind of agreed upon just like how dropping is agreed upon in the BR. So there's so much nuance that's going to be potentially uh, decided upon in this uh, arena's pro scene if it comes true. Just excited to see what happens. And I'm excited to watch it. I really am. It's going to be really cool. On top of our speculation of arenas, we also have the confirmation that private lobbies are going to be a thing in the not-so-distant future. Ooh, we've um, been asking for a while. It's crazy. I mean, having cross-platform access to private lobbies has been confirmed. I think it could come as early as Season 10. I will, I will say that someone, I don't remember which dev it was, said it's coming in an update. Like, the wording was not yeah. like a season yeah. drop, like, we're just like we're gonna drop it once we have it figured out yeah. like it could become like like a mid-season split update or something like we're gonna give you private lobbies would be crazy but oh my goodness could it be exciting it's gonna be massive i mean they're not gonna call season 10 season 10 so whatever they're gonna t- call it but if it comes even before season then private lobby it could <laughs> um It'll not only be huge for competitive Apex in terms of people organizing their own events, Mm -hmm. um, the third party organizing events. Pro teams practicing, scrims. Yeah, but also open up console competitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A huge, huge uh, space that Apex has been flourishing, has a huge player base, will get an easy free access into practicing, training, and potentially gaining access to larger tournaments Mm -hmm. like the ALGS. And that's kind of like that is just going to be so dang cool. But overall, all this stuff, we're just so excited for the future of competitive Apex. It's going to be awesome. Uh, arenas, it might take some time to develop, and we'll see if we get, you know, an arenas tournament announced anytime in the near future. But I just think that there is so much potential. We're just so excited to see where the future of this game goes with it. With that, though, we're going to wrap it up now by answering some five-star questions. If you want your question answered on the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll make sure it makes it on the next episode. First question coming from Infinite God Y5. Hi, Henry and Shay. I'm a big fan of the podcast and haven't stopped listening since season five. I am a Mirage main and still have no idea how to properly bamboozle people. How can I get a good bamboozle? Well, do. I have an episode for you, Y5. Uh, Check out our Mastering the Legends. We did Fuse and Mirage, and we broke down all the little tips and tricks about bamboozling uh, that there are out there. 
last time we didn't actually answer the question. We forced the listener to go back and listen to Mastering the Legends. Do we want to do the same thing or do we want to give a little thing? Well, Mirage is such a favorite. He is such a favorite. I think you definitely have some words to say. I could, yeah. I, they're a main. They mm-hmm. main Mirage, so mm-hmm. I don't want to talk down to them. They have a lot of experience, I'm assuming, totally. playing for over a year. Um, the biggest mistake I see in Mirage play is they don't use the ultimate enough. Mm-hmm. It's on a 60-second cooldown. You can use it once, twice a fight. You got to do it. You got to put out more decoys. As much as you can. The tactical, it can be so good. Be the decoy, though, you know? Doing stuff that makes you look so apparently obvious from your decoy is one of the things that's going to hold you back uh, from having the most success on the bamboozle. And it's weird to say, I got to run in a straight line away. Like, I'm going to send mine off one direction, and I'm going to run straight in the other direction, and they're just going to have to 50-50 it. But if you start weaving serpentine at all, you're going to get very confusing. Uh, but And also working on that control decoy if you want to do that stuff as well. Control, uncontrol. It's hard. You have to play very, very different than any other legend with Mirage in terms of just your movement on the sticks. Yeah. Really, really different. Next question coming from Ganson. Really enjoy listening to you all while driving slash running errands. I just recently got 150 heirloom shards in Apex pack and was wondering what are y'all's top three favorite heirlooms. Hope y'all have a great day slash week. Thanks so much for the review. Oof. So excited for you. I do not currently have an heirloom, but I definitely keep tabs on them. Mm-hmm. Um, top three. That's tough. Top of my head, I would say Bloodhound, Octane, Mirage. Man, not Gibraltar love. It's That's not flashy tough. enough. That's tough. Okay, I will, one, we always throw the caveat at that. If you main somebody, go with that. That should be your favorite. You know, like if you are have a strong main, get the heirloom. It's going to be so fun. My favorites, though, I'm probably, I probably am at one with the axe as well. I think that the Mirage is two for me also. And the Mirage one is not liked. That is a hated heirloom. But it the third party really is fans. It's so I don't think good. anybody really beats the inspects on that. And then I'll just say, at three for me, it's going to be the Wraith, the Kunai still. It's the one I have. And it just has so much nostalgia at this point for me when I see it in game. Just as the first heirloom has been around for a while. Some great inspects. Little orbs whenever you melee or kick or anything. There's, It's awesome. I love that one a ton. Uh still think I might have wished I got the Bloodhound Axe though when I had the decision. <laughs> Great question though. That's going to wrap up our episode. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods and give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Follow us on Twitch, Third Party Pod. Join our Discord via the link in the description below. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.